This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> I'm Jane Fonda. And I'm telling you, I am so really deeply happy and excited to okay. be sitting opposite Conan for a conversation. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are going to be Hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, joined as always by Sona Movsessian. Hi. Hello. What? Hut? You said, I, hut? You said hut? Sometimes you say it and I don't know if you're expecting me to say hi or if you're just saying Sona's here. That's no, it. Just follow my lead, you know? I don't know what your lead is. That's my problem. I have no idea. What were you? So you said hut? <laughs> you you played football in yeah. response. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we got Sona, who's, I don't know what's wrong with her. And uh, Matt Gorley, uh, I have a better diagnosis for you, but we'll get into that later. Hike. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> you know, often we just start talking occasionally before we start a podcast to say, let's stop and let's just think what we should talk about. Okay? Well, you say that every time, but then we- Okay, I say yeah. it. And then we don't, you guys say, oh, don't do that. And we just start talking and it works out. Today I said, hey, what should we talk about? And I was looking to Sona and to Matt when suddenly uh, Aaron Blair, who's sitting in the corner, uh, like a golem. Um, uh, what was your suggestion? Let's hear it again. Can I? My no, no, no. Okay. No, don't defend okay. yourself. Okay. okay. First, try and recreate what okay. your suggestion was because you said it. And the three of us immediately blasted you. <laughs> I 
What I said was it was quiet in the studio. Everybody was thinking of an idea. No, nope, that's not you telling the idea. Okay. That's you setting the, the scene. Here's what I said. I'm the director okay. here. All right, I, will set the scene, okay? set okay. I will set the scene. Okay. I will set the scene. I'm looking to Matt and to Sona wondering Anybody have anything like maybe Sona, you know, your father and his crazy mustache caught fire, you know, at the, Ar at the Armenian cookout. Or, or maybe Matt, you know, you were strolling the avenue in Pasadena and your, uh, the fez you bought at an auction blew away. Something fun like that, uh -huh. you know, uh, or your collection of... Uh, you know, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt stamps uh, got lost and you no, didn't know where they were. It's but, fine. Okay, but then that's what I'm looking for when suddenly Blaze's distinctive voice pipes up and says what? Everybody in LA is always bringing in fruit from their fruit trees. Kona, do you have any fruit trees? That was your suggestion. I'm sorry. Everyone brings in fruit from their fruit trees here at the office. Conan, uh, uh, do you have said fruit? And we leaped, we just leapt upon you. It's true, I feel bad, but I, even I leapt on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. We were all like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And then about? you doubled down. That's the part that <laughs> yeah. amazes me. Yeah. Rather than just shrinking into the corner, okay, and deciding not to speak for a year, <laughs> uh, and abstain uh, from all sexual activity, you, you crept back up to the mic and went, eh, but a lot of people do have fruit and i was like you're doubling down no you said like so and so brought in limes well, yeah oh yeah gina <laughs> gina, gina, brought, gina in brought in limes yeah oh now you're on this side well i was talking about bringing in lemons for my uh, tree incredible so now this is a chance for the <laughs> listener to see how my job is the i'm the goalie and there's so much terribleness that comes flying around. I'm here. with you. Although now that I think of it, we have a lot of kumquats on our tree. All right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. See, yeah. it's it, no there's one a lot gives going a shit on. about any of this stuff. A lot of oranges too on yeah. one of my trees. Grapefruits. But today, Tack was saying the guavas aren't coming in, and so I, he was like, "Does <laughs> it skip a season?" <laughs> I, was like, I don't know if fruit trees work like that. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> The whole point of this introduction was for me to explain how I'm trying to protect the listener from this kind of banality. Mm -hmm. This uh, You have a pomegranate tree. I have a pomegranate tree, yes, because uh, I, yes. through a reception for you and Tack, Tackasesian yeah. is his just, given name. It's just Tack. That's not his last name. I think it's Tack Tackasesian. But anyway, you, I threw a wedding reception for you guys and, you, and your parents very nicely gifted me with a pomegranate tree, which right. I happen to know has great meaning in the Armenian world. Yeah, it means prosperity and fertility. And I think it means Well, fertility. guess what? Since we planted that tree, my life has gone to shit. <laughs> <laughs> that tree is a blight. My teeth fell out. <laughs> Beckett has turned his back on my son, turned his back on me and will not speak. That's oh. not the Crows tree. perch on my head whenever I go outside. It's not the tree. No, it's not the tree. I know, and I yeah. do keep a lot of crow food in my hair. <laughs> Can I say another thing? I just got a text from David Hopping, yep. uh, your assistant, who said, someone should remind Conan, we have a lemon tree here in the backyard here. So we have a fruit tree here. All right, get David does, in here. Does <laughs> someone David. need to remind David Hopping. Do we need? Get, do get we, a pomegranate tree. Why are you adding to do this? Do Everyone David Hopping, please, David Hopping please come to see the principal. Paging David Hopping. <laughs> uh, Adam Sachs, who 
he's supposed to be the guru, the know-it-all. He's in the corner. He's saying like, yes, we also have, what did you chime in? Here in the backyard, we, we have a lemon tree and a pomegranate. Yeah, guess pomegranate. what? Pomegranate. Yeah, yeah, up until today, because it's coming down. That's why we're all so fertile. All right, David Hopping, yeah. jump on, please. Well, okay. I mean, it was after we bought this building that we had babies. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. David no. Hopping, yeah. you're supposed to be my assistant. You're listening to all this. Out uh, outside, yeah. in, in the office building, and you decide to ch- send a message to Blay. <laughs> yeah, that- where is he? <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy over Why there did, dressed like a lemon. Didn't you see that I was trying to stop all this fruit talk? Why did you add to it? I just thought that you should know that you <laughs> contribute to the fruit. Oh, oh you're just oh. as guilty. You're just as you guilty. You have a whole tree. I took two of them last week. Oh. Wait, you took some of my fruit without asking me? Oh. You didn't even know you had it. I know, but now that I have it, it's robbery. Okay. <laughs> Sheer I think, I think that we all deserve yeah. lemons yeah. from that tree. Or First I have of all, too many lemons. I don't, there's a little tiny yard behind our building. Mm-hmm. I don't go back there uh, at all because apparently there's sunlight there too. Mm. Uh, like any good vampire, I must hide. Oh. But, but, uh, but I'm, it's nice to know that we have fruit tree, but you have to pay me for that fruit. No. Yeah. <laughs> what, is a, what is the cost these days of a lemon or a lime? Wait, wait. What do you think the cost of a lemon or a lime Oh, is? it's just going to be one yeah. of those traps that I'm an out-of-touch celebrity? <laughs> yes. I happen to know the running price for a lime would be about $65. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, in my defense, I shop at Whole Foods. <laughs> and sing! Not far off. Um, yeah. Yeah. Buy fruit there, you gotta bring someone to co-sign the loan. <laughs> no what? one laughed at that. Not even to be nice. Can we no. uh, add laughter to that? Don't, don't no, of no, course no, not. I, think no. so. I think what we'll do, if anything, is just put like a, uh, an older woman sobbing on a street corner. That's <laughs> <laughs> just Conan. I always like crickets. I always think that yeah, just crickets. drives Crickets is the universal off. language of Flores something going on Well, listen, uh, this was a... Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible intro. This was, but you know what? To Blaze Defense, he was like, talk about the fruit trees. And then we actually yeah, did talk about worked. the fruit trees. It right. We so, what ha- you're saying is that Blaze Quip bore fruit. That's what you're saying. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Flores para los muertos. <laughs> Flores para los muertos. I mean, have you seen the prices of a cantaloupe when you go to. <laughs> Dios mío. <laughs> I mean, Whole Foods, what the hell? Jesus Christ. The other day I saw oh, Bill Gates walking out of there. He said, it's highway robbery. <laughs> Mi bambina. I bought a strawberry. I put it in my will for my daughter to get. <laughs> this is old jokes about how expensive it is at Whole Foods. These are What's good that? jokes. Who's the voice, though? It starts it's me being a comedian who's also having a stroke. Okay. Oh, huh. <laughs> Got a little Dennis Miller in there, cha-cha, but also I'm just a guy that came up in the clubs, and if you've been to a Whole Foods lately, let me tell you something. You better bring a Brinks truck if you want to get a great. You're verging on Stephen Hawking. In that I love it. I love this guy so much. This guy's funny, and he's really bringing life to the podcast. Because he's got a real funny take about Whole Foods being expensive. 
<laughs> the hand movement. <laughs> I'm dying. I love this guy. It's such belabored speaking. I, I'm having so much trouble talking. I love it. Yesterday I bought at Whole Foods an onion, and now my son oh my can't God. go to college. Now it's Popeye. I am who I am. Oh, I'm Popeye, but I'm also Dennis Miller. But I'll show him how. Stroke and my headset's Jeez. coming off. Oh my god! Oh, I was worried your head was going to do like a scanner's explosion. Trust me, it will. Oh man! Well, man, oh. time to get into it. My guest today is an academy. Okay. You never know when he's going to oh. come back. Such a good take on Whole Foods. Does. Never heard that joke. Uh, but also, I love that this this person won an Academy Award. <laughs> this is an icon. I know. This is one of the biggest icons we've ever had on the podcast. I know she's a legend. Yeah. What we I'm told doing? she's leaving now on a helicopter. I hope this guy interviews her. <laughs> hey, Jane, how's it going? Uh, what if Jane starts telling a great story about like, well, my father. Father, and I'm like, hey, you ever been to Whole Foods, Jane? Jeez, you do, you better bring your accountant with you. Uh, my guest today is an Academy Award winning actress and activist who starred on the hit Netflix series Grace and Frankie. Now you can see her in two new movies, 80 for Brady, out now, and moving on in theaters March 17th. We're thrilled and excited that uh, she is with us today. Jane Fonda, welcome. When I was uh, a young lad, my dad took me to a movie theater that was showing uh, sort of a revival house. It was Coolidge Corner in Brookline, Massachusetts. Brookline. And oh, yeah. Brookline, Mass. And I went there and I saw Cat Baloo. Oh. Uh, and... Fell in love with you. Oh, good. Fell completely head over heels in love with oh, you. Oh, I like that. Oh, oh. And then, well, then it just keep, then I, I mean, I think I didn't see. Let's just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. Well, it does because then I think, I know this isn't chronological, but I was seeing these films a little later on. I saw Barefoot in the Park and I remembered thinking, that's who I want to marry. I want to marry Jane Fonda because I saw you as this newlywed and barefoot in the park. And I just. Are you about to propose? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Oh I have a ring. I've talked it over with my wife. And by the way, my wife, if I called her up and I said, I'm leaving you for another woman and it's Jane Fonda, she would say, go for it. Because yeah. <laughs> she adores you as well. So. And I, I could become one of those women who has a husband that could be her son. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I suppose. I suppose. No, you could be my son. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. That's I think, cool. I yeah, think that's yeah. cool. Cher is doing it. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure I'll disappoint you in many ways, um, but let's not even get into that. I, I love just... tall men. Oh. And, you know, and I didn't really realize for a long time how tall you are. How tall are you? I'm 6'4". Oh, God, it's beautiful. This is happening. This, <laughs> this is, is happening, happening right now. Yes. <laughs> Someone send out for some wine. Prime time. Eduardo, get some wine in here. I'm on Prosecco. it. I'm on Prosecco. It. Something. You got it. Oh, my God. I'm just uh, in heaven. But uh, I, I, I don't know. Can I'm I just, say yeah. I am so happy for you? 
that you are doing this podcast and not having to do a, a show and not, you know oh because thank you the, yeah, yeah it's liberating it is it gives you a life you don't have to worry about hair <laughs> <laughs> it's great no it's, I almost didn't bring my wig in today I almost didn't do it you know uh, it's funny you say that because. You came on the late night show one time and we had, you were terrific. It's 2014, but we couldn't talk like this. No. There's a band and there's, I mean, there's an audience and I loved doing that. And I did it for almost 30 years. But what I've loved about this is I knew that you were coming in and I was excited because I thought there's so much we can talk about uh, and, and in an intimate environment. You know, and I think if I had told you how much I loved you and wanted to marry you uh, as a child in front of an audience, you know, someone's going to intervene. Someone's going to step in the way and say, but here, uh, no one, right? We should have. Yeah. You should have. Yeah. We, we yeah. should have. I know. Um, but, uh, but thank you. I'm, I'm honored that you felt that way. Uh, well, feel that way. Um, <laughs> but I am, I, there's so much to talk about. I was mentioning to you just as you walked in. I used to live on a street called Tigertail. Ah. And there was an older gentleman that lived on Tigertail when I first moved there about, I want to say 12 years ago. And this old gentleman said, you know, when I first moved to Tigertail, I used to see, you know, Jane Fonda riding up this road on a horse on her way back from school. And I thought, poor old man, he's lost his mind. No, I used to ride a horse to school. It wasn't my horse. It was the school's horse. What? Oh. <laughs> was it painted yellow? <laughs> and they, they would, had a little stop sign that came out every time. It, it it, they would loan it out to a few of us who were good riders. Wow. So you would ride home, and this is here in Los Angeles on the west side. I'd over. ride down Tiger Tail Road, down Kenter to um, San Vicente, and what is now that centerpiece that has those huge coral trees? Yes, yeah. That was the trolley tracks. That's right. And it was also a bridle path, and I could ride that down to school, which was on the corner of San Vicente and 26th Street. That's unbelievable. I know. And so you were basically growing up in Los Angeles— in in almost a, but it, it could have been 1855, the way you were getting to school. Yeah. If you f didn't pay attention to the cars that were coming. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, right. No, Those cars. But, yeah. No, but Conan, you know. The, the <laughs> it's wonderful to have been alive in the late 30s and 40s. The world had only 2 billion people. And that affected every nook and cranny of life. Mm -hmm. There were more birds. Mm -hmm. There were more empty spaces that a boy or a girl could explore and play in. I mean, we lived at the end of a dirt road at that time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't, there's so many houses where we used to live now, I can't even hardly find it. But where you live mm -hmm. is a canyon in front of the nine acres where we had a, a farmhouse. That's unbelievable. You had yeah. nine acres up there and now it's all been developed. There's so about 20 houses on that as, as we talked about before the show started, you know, it, it's the first house that you live in is the one in your dreams, mm -hmm. right? And so I that house, that land at the top of a hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean during the Second World War, yeah. when we used to have member, well, no, you don't remember. It was the, <laughs> it was the Second World War had started and mm -hmm. there were blackouts and we had to, you know, hide under tables during air raid drills, drills yeah. and things like that. And so that's very much in my dream. It's you know. unbelievable. Yep, and now I can't find it. 
<laughs> I will find out where the house was. And my promise to you is I will, I will find a way to buy all those homes, <laughs> raise them to the ground, okay. and I will restore your ranch. And this is where the two of you will live. And we're going to get married. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, I don't want to get married again. See, my dad was married five times. I've only been married three times. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to add to that. So we'll live in sin. (laughs) (laughs) This is the greatest day of my life. This is the best day I've ever had in my life. I'm so delighted. Jane Fonda can be your side piece. So you can still still be married to life. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind. Call Liza, you deal with it. Oh man. Sona, you're my assistant, you deal with it. Call Liza. You call Liza. I'm, I'm I'm going out on a limb here. I assume that you're married and yes. Liza is your wife. Yes, yes, you are. Okay. Yeah, you're going way out on a limb. But yeah, 21 years we've been married. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. maybe I won't call her. <laughs> maybe I, we could do a threesome. Oh God! short Non-sexual threesome. Wait, why non-sexual? What's happening? Short circuiting. I'm blacking out. I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> I just can't handle it anymore. Sure you can. Okay. (laughs) Okay, yes, I can. Um, You know, what's funny is that we've glossed over the fact that you're talking about growing up. Your father, of course, Henry Fonda, one of the great golden age film stars of all time. And it was very important for you. You wanted to get work but you didn't want it to be because Henry Fonda was your dad. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I mean, that feels like it might've been the first struggle is how do I, how do I establish my own career? Uh, I'm sure you were very proud of your dad, but how do I find my own way? Mm -hmm. Was that, I mean, was, was that, was that difficult to do uh, in the, in the years? Well, if you, if you weighed the difficult or the easy, Mm -hmm. I think it made it easier to be Henry Fonda's daughter in yep. the beginning because, it, you know, it lifts you a little bit above sure. the crowd. Open some doors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, every now and then there'd be like Patty Chayefsky the, uh, interviewed me for a part in a play. And he started off by saying, well, what else have you done besides being Henry Fonda's daughter? Oh, you know, God, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. But, eh, you know, you just expect that to happen. So, that you know, it's more good than it is bad. Right. It's shocking to me. Not shocking, but I, I was surprised to find out some of your activism stemmed from this uh, feeling you got from your from your dad. From his movies. From his movies. Right. A number of years ago, one of Martin Luther King, Yolanda King, Martin Luther, one of his daughters, called me yeah. to talk about something or other. And I was in the process of writing my memoir. And so I was curious. And I said to her, Yolanda, did your dad, Dr. King, did he, you know, like take you on his lap and bounce you on his knees and talk about values, you know, the kind of values you and stuff like that? She said, no, he never did. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, my dad never did either. But you had your dad's sermons and I had my dad's films. Mm. He didn't really need to say much. You know, I loved him and admired him so much. And I knew that the movies like Young Abe Lincoln and Grapes of Wrath and Twelve Angry Men and Wrong Man, those kind of movies were the ones that he really loved and was proud of doing. And he loved those characters. And so those are the movies that I identified with. And it was like putting fertilizer on my little soul. And eventually, it, you know, when, when there was something that triggered, which for me was the Vietnam War, all of that became fertile ground for activism. Yeah, it, it, your dad in so many of his films, and I'm thinking specifically when he's uh, in Grapes of Wrath, that speech he gives about the little guy and that's me, I'll be there. I'll be there. That is such, 
That's a speech that resonates maybe more now, or at least as much as it did during the Great Depression. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people out there that feel that, that they're being bullied, that they're being pushed around. And there's so many Henry Fonda films where the core idea is you have to stand up for the little guy. Yeah. Justice, uh, fairness. Yeah. There were no people of color around me when mm -hmm. I was growing up mm -hmm. on, on the West Coast in California. But there was my father's film, The Oxbow Incident, mm -hmm. which was about a racist hanging. You know, that's... Yes, yeah. Uh, it meant so much to me. That's a generation, whether it's Dr. King or Henry Fonda or even my father, people were not raised. I don't think men were raised back then to show a lot of emotion. No, they were showed, told not to. Yeah. Well, today still, still, uh, our culture says, if you want to be a man, you don't cry, you don't express need. There's a wonderful movie. It's one of the nominated movies as best foreign films. It's called Close. I haven't seen it. It's about this issue of boys in the beginning when they're young, they, they love on each other. They hug each other. They, they sleep together. They cuddle. They fall asleep on each other's shoulders. And, and then they start going to a school, you know, they reach adolescence and it's suddenly, are you, got, are you queer? Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And they get ashamed and then they pull back. And it's like a loss of humanity that happens mm -hmm. because of our culture that says men aren't supposed to be vulnerable and express emotions. It's so sad. I want to, you know, part of what I want to do is change that. Well, I think you've done, I mean, for example, I thought it was very brave. It was also artistically hugely successful, but in On Golden Pond, you and your father laid bare, in a sense, your struggle to connect and put it on film. That's scarier to me than jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. <laughs> Is, is exposing that kind of vulnerability with a parent because so many people have a complicated relationship with their parents. Yeah, especially people of a certain age with parents of a certain age, especially if the parents came from the Midwest. Mm? Yeah, and so was your dad aware the whole time that that's what you were exploring or could he tell himself, well, these are just characters? Because I These feel are just characters. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. There's a scene where I tell him I want to be his friend. It's my big scene in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I, um, it, it was something that I, every time I read it in rehearsals, I would become very emotional because these are things that I never said to my dad. I want to be your friend, you know, et cetera. And, um, and then when it finally came time for me to shoot, to do it with the camera facing me, I dried up. It was, it was really uh, hard. It was a really important scene for me. Yeah. And my dad always liked doing things that had been rehearsed. He wanted to know everything that was going to happen in advance. So on purpose, I did something that had, I hadn't done in rehearsal. When I said, I want to be your friend, I reached out and touched his arm. And um, he ducked his head and he went like this. But I could see that he, he got emotional. Yeah. Made me so happy. And I went to dinner at his house that night and um, I told him how I had dried up and, and how I had a hard time with the scene because yeah. it was so personal. And I said, you know, in your long career, dad, did that ever happen to you? Nope. <laughs> yep. That was it. Nope. Period. Nope. Yeah. You know, he didn't say, well, tell me about what happened. And you know, he, he had no, he had no clue. Nope. And you know, but that's who he was. Like, Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You find out later in therapy that parents, you know, they're doing what they can with what they've been They're given. doing the best they can. They're doing the best they can. 
I not, t- all, not all yeah. parents. Sona, I don't think you're doing the best you can. Oh, okay. Sorry oh, that's, to, to jump out that for a second. That seems hurtful. I've only been a parent for like a year and a half, but yeah. you're saying you're saying I'm already just... You seem high most that of the time. Is, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not totally inaccurate. It's those first early years where you really have to do the best you can. Oh, yeah. okay. Then I yeah. should stop getting high all the time. <laughs> Sona, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. (laughs) California, Sona. No matter where you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, If you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid... We were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less Filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. All right, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. 
Are you serious? Yeah, that's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including seventy million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn <laughs> members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your. I'm going to say it again: B two B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You know, uh, I was thinking about, because you've had so many career arcs. Some people have one, you just have had multiple sections in your career where you, including right now, which is stunning to me, you have three movies coming out in four months, which you've never done before. At 85 years old. Yeah. <laughs> that never happened to me before. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't happen to you. I think you had to agree to it at some point. I mean, you. this is you. No, I, I did. I agreed to it. I didn't even really understand at the time. Mm -hmm. See, I, we finished, me and Lily Tomlin finished the seven years of Grace and Frankie. Right. A week later, we started a film together called Moving On. Mm -hmm. And then that was short. Mm -hmm. And I started, I needed a fix. I needed Lily. I, I've missed her. So it was a physical thing. Yeah. And then 80 for Brady came along and it was with Lily and yes. But also to get Rita Moreno and Sally Field. I mean, it's just uh, in, in addition to Lily Tomlin, yeah. it's, it's an incredible. Yeah. All of you are out there kicking ass. Yeah. It's Having, like, well, we had such a good time. I've loved Sally for as long as I've loved Lily. I've known both of them since the seventies. And I, I always wanted to work with Sally and to watch her build her character. in this movie was such a thrill. You have these friendships with women now. That was not the case when you were young. No. You, what was, you, you had a, a different attitude towards yeah. women. It's an old frame of mind that I hope is disappearing that says, when you grow up, what that means is you're no longer emotional. You're no longer needy. You stand on your own like a guy. That's the signal of adult maturity. That plus the fact that my mother had done away with herself. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, to, I think you were 12 when that happened. Yeah. And even before then, I thought, no, nah, women are losers. The best thing to do is to hitch your wagon to him, an alpha male. Yeah. And then everybody's going to want to be around him. And so you'll, you know, come in on his coattails. Mm -hmm. And I felt that way until I was about 60. <laughs> really? Yeah. That, it took me a long time that, to get I, over I, that. Well, that shocks me because I would have thought I could see in the 60s, that being a mentality that you have, but then- No, the stuff that happens in the early years, mm -hmm. it's why you have to do your best parenting then, stays with you a long time. Yeah. And so I just, I had no women friends, mm -hmm. only men friends. And then I had a daughter in my 30s and, and I left my France life with my husband and everything. And I moved back here and became an activist. And the people that really impacted me were women. Mm -hmm. And they were- they were women like I had never met before. The way they behaved, the way they treated people. It was like looking through a keyhole at the world that we were all fighting for. And I just thought, wow, I, I want some of that. Yeah. So I started bonding with women like that. All younger than me, smarter than me, braver than me. And they, they helped me so much. You know, it's amazing that 
you could that anyone could ever have the idea that men are the strong ones because anything you learn later on as you go through life is that women, you know, women are the backbone. And I've been to so many countries where they openly say, I mean, in Haiti, they'll tell you, oh, it's the women. It's the women. This that, is true. That that, yeah. that the women leave, they get educated, they they they, and then they come back and they are trying to hold this country together. Yeah. But yeah, all over the world, you're right. It's women who are leading the fight against the climate crisis mm -hmm. all over the world. There are m many, many profound reasons why this is true. Maybe it'll have to be for another talk, Conan, which would be interesting to have. Is this the birds and the bees talk? Uh -oh. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I am 59 years old and I'm still waiting on that talk. Uh, I don't know how any of it works. Uh, um, no. But- uh, No, it's, it's interesting. W women- women have so many psychological and emotional advantages that give them great strength. And I think it goes all the way back to the hunter-gatherer times, in fact. Um, women in their DNA understand interdependence. Women know that we are all connected mm -hmm. and we're connected to the earth and to other species. Women aren't afraid of expressing need. You know, women friendships Right? Yes. Yeah. We, we say, oh, God, I need a hug. In fact, yes. in 80 for Brady, one of the things that I like the most is that there's a scene with Lily when I can, I can, I need a hug. You know, men, you never hear men saying t to another, to a guy friend, I need a hug or tell me what to do. I'm really lost. Yeah. And when, and women laugh together differently. Women's friendships are face to face, eyeball to eyeball. Right. Men side by side looking out at things, women, cars, sports events, and things like that. They don't ask for help. I think it's a, one reason why women live on average five years longer than men do. Yeah. Used to be seven years. We've lost a little ground there. <laughs> um, but it, it's all, is your child a boy or a girl? They have twins. two boys. Two boys, twins. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when you're talking about masculinity, I, I'm making a very conscious effort to try to make sure that they don't grow up with those types of hangups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you want, I can come over anytime and hug your husband in front of your children. <laughs> Okay, that's really a weird thing I'm to say. I'm trying to help that's them. That's a weird thing to say. I think you're missing say. the point. Oh, am I, I missing know, the point? I want, to, I want to model this kind of masculine. Don't model anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't. But help I them remain emotionally literate. Yeah. Yes. They, they're born emotionally literate. Let them keep that. Don't let coaches and fathers and yeah. teachers shut, the, shut that down, yep, which yep. is what happens in this movie Close. Yeah. Uh, okay, I have to see that because I, I remembered I read some. I think it was a quote you said once that it was Ted Turner who told you you don't make friends after your sixties, and you have completely proven him wrong. Yeah, and he also said you don't change after sixty, and I said I think you're in big trouble if you don't change after sixty. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I I'm, mean, sixty is when you start. Well, you're a little. I'm bit about. I'm. I'm a few months shy of becoming sixty. Yeah. Well, 60, in the way I look at it, is the beginning of your third act. Yeah. And in order to do a good third act, in order to know how to go forward in your third act, you have to know where you've been. So you have to spend a lot of time thinking about the, the first two acts and even more important, your parents. 
Why, why are they the way they are? Yeah. Or were they the way? Are your parents alive? My parents are, my dad is 94, my mom is 91. Uh-huh. And they're out in the clubs every night. <laughs> <laughs> How long have they been married? They, I think, uh, wow, good, good Lord. Are they the only people they got married to? They got married, I think at the very close of the Civil War. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you exactly, but I want to say but it the, was it, 1958. Okay, they've so they've so. only been married to each other. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. That's how, um, you know, strict Irish Catholics, you marry and then that and is it. And that's it no matter that's what. That's yeah. it no matter what. Yeah. I mean, there were many times I'm still trying to get my mom to divorce my dad. <laughs> um, I call him, I call her every day and say, it's time, go. But uh, she's sticking it out. You're trying to get her on the apps to start dating other guys. <laughs> she keeps swiping the wrong way. That's what's ruining it. <laughs> um, finding out, I mean, you know, find, you're lucky that they're still alive. Yes, yeah, I am. Very both, lucky. Both of mine were gone by the time I started my sixth, my third act. But um, finding out why they are the way they are, how were their parents what were your grandparents like? How did they treat, you know? Yeah. What you end up when it's called doing a life review and you end up realizing that whatever was fucked up had nothing to do with you. Yeah. I turned my life review into my memoir. And in the course of doing it, I discovered why my mother was the way she was. And it had nothing to do with me, had to do with early childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And so I could forgive, Yeah. you know, and that's such a beautiful thing. It's and one all, out of every four women in this country have experienced sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to try to tease that out if that's part of your family history, which means that you have to interview your parents separately. Right. I think you, the other thing, too, is um, there was such a reticence about talking about anything. I mean, I, I come from a very Irish Catholic culture, as mm -hmm. you can imagine. And uh, it's the same thing. You Unpleasant things are not discussed. Mm -hmm. You don't talk about them. And so laughter is allowed uh, and, f uh, and food is allowed. Sex is discouraged and talking about anything that might hurt somebody's feelings is discouraged. Mm -hmm. So you get this strange ecosystem sometimes where, uh, and, and I'm just not my family, it's just all, it's so much. I, I just watched the Banshees of- Yeah, Inish. I was gonna ask you. I watched the Banshees of Inishirin. And you identified. And, I, and, and it's crazy. It takes place in, you know, I think 1920 or something. And it, it's on this island and it's in Ireland. And I grew up in uh, Boston and my parents are very educated people. And I watched that movie with miniature donkeys and people <laughs> cutting off their fingers and, and absolute madness. And, and not just me, but other Irish people I, uh, that I know, other Irish Americans I know go, oh yeah, that <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> because we're, uh, we're an insular, uh, crazy people with a gift of gab and we can be quite funny uh, and we get quite depressed, but uh, we come from this island and there's stuff in our DNA yeah. that's batshit crazy. Yeah, I was married to one, my second husband, <laughs> Irish Catholic. How'd that go? <laughs> Beautifully and fabulously for much of the time. Right. And I'm really, really grateful. And we named our son Troy O'Donovan. Oh, there you go. Garrity. That's too Irish. That's a very Irish name. Garrett. He'll either be a playwright or a bartender. <laughs> He's an actor. Those are the only two choices, I'm afraid. So you've made all these great bonds and connections in this third chapter. What, what comes across in 80 for Brady is that you're all having fun. You like each other and you're having fun. And I've always maintained 
I don't care if you're Laurence Olivier, you can't fake that. Yeah. If there's a real connection there and you're enjoying each other's company and having a good time, that comes through it the screen. It comes through, yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. It's really fun. We did. We had a great time. You know, I was thinking today, and I wanted to ask you about this because it, it only occurred to me much later, but we went through and, and are still going through the, the whole Me Too movement. And then I realized- Nine to Five, which is 1980. One of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. <laughs> truly. Yeah. And, and, and for good truly for is. good reason. Yeah. Nine to Five, I, I want to say it's 1980. Yes. That movie is dealing with sexual harassment. And that movie is maybe 30 years ahead of its time. I mean, because there was a period of time and you can still see it. You can see these movies where sexually harassing women is kind of a joke. You know, the, 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 the guy in the office chasing the assistant around the desk it's is in New York. Quaint. It's it's yeah, yeah. It has a quaintness the way people that drank too much used to have a quaintness, yeah. but no one had really shown a light on it. I don't think. Or wage theft, or yeah. guys being trained by a woman who knows the business better than anybody and being promoted right past her. Yeah. All those kinds of things. I mean, they are they're all still they're all still out there in the workforce. Yep. I know you talked a lot about Lily, but Dolly Parton, you bonded with her yes. while making that film. She is an amazing woman. She, she really is an she is so smart and she's kind of psychic. She's really profound. I I am in awe of Dolly. I love her very much. And she gave you advice because you had seen your father's reaction to fame which oh, was it terrif was a, it terrif yeah. you, if you, if someone came up to Henry Fonda and won an autograph, he was terrified. He would run. <laughs> he spoiled more weekends with me and my brother when he would come and visit us because he and my mother were separated. Mm -hmm. And he would take us to in Rye. There's a playland, Rye, New York. Mm -hmm. And he would take us there. And I'll never forget, a woman came and asked for his autograph and he ran. <laughs> and he was in a bad mood all day. It ruined the whole thing for us. He hated it. He he He... I mean, I don't know why, but he just hated it. And I was with Dolly. We went on the road. She she was so grateful for me casting her in the movie, 9 to 5. And I was preparing to do a, a, a story of a hillbilly, illiterate woman, based mm -hmm. on a book called The Doll Maker. And I needed to go there and meet those people. And Dolly, I said to her, you're the only hillbilly I know. <laughs> can you, can you help me? And you know, it's cool. You can say that to Dolly yeah. Parton and she's cool with it. Yeah. yeah. I want, I said, I, you know, I want to meet somebody who lives in, in a holler with no electricity or anything. Mm -hmm. So, so I can kind of flesh out my character. Mm -hmm. And so she took me, I went to Nashville. I stayed with her and her husband, Carl, that was an experience in her house. Carl cooked us breakfast. I said, how did you two meet? And he described the first time he saw her. He was driving a truck past a 7-Eleven. And there she was in the parking lot drinking a Crown Cola. And he, 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 he was just sitting at the breakfast table. He said, no, you don't understand. It was like, and he fell over backwards. <laughs> now that is love. <laughs> Describing how you he met your wife. He is a handsome man, <laughs> yeah. boy. I sang backup for Dolly in the oh. at the Grand Old Opry. Oh. oh my God! And anyway, she put me on her tour bus with three or four friends of hers, and we spent ten days touring Appalachia, mm -hmm. Missouri, the Ozarks, Arkansas. Uh, and I ended up meeting somebody that I went back and lived with and chopped their wood and milked their cow and so on and so forth. But um, what? So we, here we were on the road in the back, 
hollers, you know, with people who lived in tar paper shacks. Dolly, came, and it was her tour bus, and she was had the stateroom at the end. I never saw her not looking 100% Dolly Parton, the wig, the whole thing, you know, going to see these people. She presented herself just like they hoped she would. And I thought, yeah. That's how to do it. You've got to love those people who like you. Yes. Yeah. 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 And oh boy, does she have fans and she just loves them and appreciates them. And she taught me, she taught me a lot. She didn't say anything. But she showed by example. She showed by example. Yeah. So cool. But that's, I'm glad that you found your way. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about your dad in the selfie era. Oh, <laughs> Do you think he hated an autograph? Oh, oh my God. Or TMZ. <laughs> yeah. What's that? TMZ. TMZ. Henry, Henry, you know, yeah, that wouldn't have gone too well. I think. Uh, um, yeah. You know, uh, I, you've achieved so much uh, in, in film and uh, you've written uh, your, this beautiful memoir and you've been an activist. And then sometimes I forget there's this part of your career that anyone else could hang their hat on, which was the exercise videos. Anyone else who had done that would have, could have, that could have been their whole claim to fame. Mm -hmm. It was, it was such a massive phenomenon. And I think it got so many people thinking about their health. I, I, that's a gift that keeps on giving. It is, yeah. Do you remember Lyndon LaRouche? Yeah. Lyndon LaRouche was a horrible man who- um, This was quite a turn, by the yeah, way. Yeah. If, if, if you're driving right now, I hope you didn't just crash into a tree. Do you remember Lyndon LaRouche? No one else says that, but I do, yes. This will yes. get back. You know, he would send people into gay bars with chains that, to beat up gay people. Yeah, yeah. He had people standing at the airports holding signs, you know, like feed Jane Fonda to the way, you know, or yeah. terrible, mean signs. And I I read an article. This was like, like 1977. We were in a, in a recession mm -hmm. that he funded all of this from a business, a computer business. And I thought I was married to the Irishman then, Tom mm -hmm. Hayden. I said, we got to start a business because we had a statewide organization, the Campaign for Economic Democracy. And we it was hard to fund. It's a you know huge state. We had offices up and down the state. And so we spent a year thinking, what a business a restaurant. <sighs> Neither of us know anything about food, right. you know, or whatever, whatever. And then a very smart man um, who started Delancey Street. It was a, a house place where people could go who were recovering from addictions and things like that. John Marr. And he said, don't ever start a business that you don't understand. Well, that brought me up short because <sighs> the only thing I, I really understood was exercise. Mm -hmm. And I had met a woman named Lenny Kasdan who was doing this workout and we turned it into a business that funded the organization. That's incredible. Yeah. Copied Lyndon LaRouche. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair, I've watched Lyndon LaRouche's exercise videos. <laughs> and he's wearing the leg warmers. Yeah. And, I gained uh, weight watching yeah. those. <laughs> I gained 200 pounds. And an ulcer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um, it's funny how you, you bring that up. There's... I mean, even today we live in a world where there's so much anger and there's so, and there's polarization. So, so many people that are angry about how someone else is living their life, which I never understand. Do you know? Like if it doesn't, how does that concern you if someone else is living their life a certain way? Why is that? Well, if is, you're suffering, yeah, and you know that you're suffering because of the fuckers in Washington, mm -hmm. the neoliberals of the last few many decades pay more attention to Wall Street and to money and to bankers 
than they do trying to serve me living in the Midwest in the Rust Belt. And so if you're suffering and you grew up with your dad belonged to a union and his dad belonged to a union and they could afford to buy a home and send their kids to school and now you can't, and now you have to take a job as as a waiter, of course you're going to be angry. Yeah. Of course. And that's why these Elected officials have to start paying attention, you know, and not just thinking because the Dow Jones look a certain way that the people in the Midwest are going to be feeling okay. They're not. I think one of the things that that gets to me, though, is I think the anger is clearly legitimate. It's when people exploit it, get elected on it, and then don't don't do anything to really address the issue. Yeah, I know who you're thinking of. We won't mention his name. Is it Lyndon LaRouche? (laughs) (laughs) It was you, Gorley. What? (laughs) No. You didn't see that coming. But yeah, it's uh, it's 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 fascinating to talk to you and to see you're as fired up and passionate now about pretty much everything we've talked about yeah. mm-hmm. as you would have been in 1975. And I'm wondering if like everyone's always trying to figure out what's the way to age and stay healthy. Clearly, you are the greatest example of being able to achieve that and in style. But at the same time, I think, you know, people wonder, what is it? What is it? And some people say it's staying connected. And I think also passionate. I mean, you're that interested, interested and curious, you know, and 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 as you get older, if you've stayed interested and and curious, um, you realize that it's all connected we need humility and we need to get rid of greed and we need to understand that the collective is what's important. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think humility is with a capital H is massive. Yeah. It's such an arrogance when people think, well, it's 2023 and we know most of what mankind needs to know and we don't know anything. Nothing. They're constantly finding, I mean, a hundred years from now, they will laugh at what we thought Yeah. now. If we're even around in a hundred years. I'll be here. Because of our ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be here. You will be here. We'll be here. Bobbing on the ocean. (laughs) My little pompadour sticking out of the water. Your red pompadour sticking up like a wave. (laughs) You know, I was going to say that I've heard you talk in interviews, especially lately because of 80 for Brady and these, these, a bunch of your recent uh, films that comedy came to you late. And I was thinking, first of all, you're hilariously funny. And you and in your I thought, Capaloo, you're that's a that's a fantastic comedy. And you that was your I think first big hit, and you were funny then. What made you why was it a surprise to you later on that you were Well, adept- if somebody is writing funny dialogue for me mm-hmm. and, and a and, and the setup is funny, mm-hmm. I can be funny. Yeah. I'm not natural, I'm naturally kind of depressed. My dad, yeah. my mom yeah. suffered from depression, but I have spent 80 years trying to get over that. And, you know, I've really worked hard yeah. to not be a depressed person, but I'm basically earnest. You know, I can tell when I'm sitting with Lily, you know, somebody will come up and ask us a question and she will automatically answer something that is hysterical. Yeah. And I just, I'm going to answer the question. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Plain Jane. Well, wait no, a minute. You know, who, you know who really helped me? Who? Ted. Spending Ted 10 years with Ted, who is hysterical. Ted Turner's a funny man. Oh my God, he is yeah. funny. Yeah. And, um, and outrageous. And I saw it's okay to be outrageous. Yeah. And that really helped me. 
That's, yeah, he seems to not care what anybody else is Well, he's thinking. like a sieve. It just all comes out. But he, his take on life is just like Lily's is inherently funny. I just think it's unfair to you to say, I don't think I'm uh, gifted in comedy because when I'm sitting next to Lily Tomlin, it's you're 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 grading yourself on this crazy yeah. scale. <laughs> yes, Lily Tomlin is one of the great. In the stratosphere. Of, well, yeah, she's of, in the stratosphere. Uh, but you walked into our podcast building and had the room laughing right away. And so, huh. yeah. It's because of know. Ted Turner. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> okay. All right. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. it is. Thank you, Mr. Turner. <laughs> uh, we, for year, a couple of years on my show, when I moved to Turner Network, because it was Turner Network, we uh, had a very talented uh, actor uh, from Saturday Night Live uh, portray Ted Turner. He'd come in to give me advice on a stuffed buffalo. Will Forte. Will Forte. Oh, yeah. oh, I know. Yeah. Oh. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I just didn't want to, I don't want Turner to go after Will Forte. Oh, I'm just coming I mean, after me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but um, yeah, we, he would come in and go, yeah, and give me all this advice. And the crowd always loved it. And I thought, someday I'm going to walk out in the parking lot and Ted Turner's going <laughs> to pistol whip me. <laughs> and then right off on his stuffed buffalo. Um, he has the largest private herd of buffalo in the world. Yeah, he brought back the the bison. Actually, that's the way that they're called. I don't see how I compete oh. with these other men. Uh, you don't in your life. I don't, I don't think you do. I, okay, I think all you right. Just thanks, accept guys. Defeat. Defe oh, accept, sorry. Accept yeah. defeat gracefully. <laughs> yeah. No, Humility. Can compete with Ted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. I yeah. thought the buffalo thing was a bit, but it's not. No, he has. <laughs> that's incredible. That's, that's no, why we did it. He's yeah. a child. He's been obsessed with bison, and oh. he's grown a herd. He had 10,000 when I married him, and now, you know, many, 50, he buys property. He's got a couple of million acres in order to grow his bison herd. That's amazing. Wow. I'd heard that. Yeah. You heard that. I heard. About the herd. You heard about the herd. I heard about the herd. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a that's a well known fact. I'm so sorry. You I'm should, just, yeah, I don't know Sona. anything. Do I'm sorry. He has two million acres. Oh my god! And he has gone about bringing back endangered not just mammal species but insects and plants. Wow! Biologists live on all his properties, and they bring back species. It's amazing what he's done. Because the buffalo was more or less extinct. Yeah. And then uh, I'm glad that it's brought, I don't know how many heads of buffalo there are in the U.S. now, but the fact that you can- You looked it. at me like I would know. <laughs> because you're always weighing in with these facts. Oh, am oh I? Eduardo's looking it up. Yeah. That's fantastic. Bison. Feed it yeah. to me, Eduardo, yeah. like I knew. Yeah. What a waste of our time. <laughs> 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 I know. Buffalo facts. I know. Um, so what's next? Because you are a real inspiration. You're I'm going to the Gulf, mm -hmm. Louisiana and Texas, ground zero for the climate crisis. Right. The Biden administration has permitted two dozen new gas terminals in, in places where people are dying. And we don't need new drilling and fracking except to get those guys richer than they already are. Right. We don't need to do that anymore. And we have to stop the Biden administration from doing this. So I'm going to try to go there with Fire Drill Fridays and interview and film people who are dealing with this on the ground and wow. then, you know, build it up as an issue. Can I ask you how many times you've been arrested? Do you know? I think seven. That's not a lot. Martin wow. Sheen's been arrested 70 times. It's called civil But only some of that was for activism. He's <laughs> <laughs> always punching people for no reason. And... No, you no, know, not the, the son. <laughs> the father. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got yeah, confused yeah, with Charlie yeah. for a second. Yeah. But Charlie's okay now. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. doing fine. Yeah. He's, he's doing, doing great. Fine. Um, 
Well, this has been, uh, we've been doing this. How long have we been doing this podcast? Oh, four know. years, four, five, five years, years almost five. Uh, this is a huge highlight for me. Yeah. It's oh, an absolute, you. uh, you, for me too. well, uh, this, uh, boy, just, I'm, I'm really oh, blown yeah. away. We were all yeah. so excited that you were coming here today and, uh, you've been a big part of my life. I mean, I adore your work and, uh, and then you walk in today and you are stunning. You are so you. beautiful and so funny <laughs> and, so, and so smart. Well, <laughs> I'd you. like your, I'd like your people. They need to work on me. I, you know, no, you're doing just fine. We'll work it out. Yeah. I got to do it. Maybe I should, uh, release an exercise video. Oh, yes, gosh. please. <laughs> Just me getting no, up. No, I'm, 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 I'm yeah? A, yeah, I'd yeah. love to see that. <laughs> I would yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, Jane, thank you so much. For if doing I this. ever did a new video, would you do it with me? Yes, oh, I would. Okay. Yes, yes. I would. I'm going to take yes. you up on it. Yes. Yeah. I will find please. a very clingy unitard. Yes. Oh. Um, <laughs> settle down, Gorley. Uh, I've got mixed feelings about yeah. that. Yeah, you're it will hurt your sales tremendously. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, we'll get it some. Wouldn't. No. You're very popular. Thank you. I didn't wait till this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Jane, thank you so much. Thank this you, this is Conan. an honor. Thank I appreciate you. you having me on. Wow, goodbye to all your listeners. <laughs> Janepack.com is how you can join me in my climate work. Janepack.com, do that now. I got to say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately, I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for, or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. <laughs> There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts and, or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. 
Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it it down I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking play. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. It's time for an important ceremony uh, that we have not uh, done in a while. State of the podcast. This is where we. Uh, what well, is you know? It's called. It's like State of the Union. Once a year, the president talks about the state of the country, and uh, it's usually a lot of nothing. But. Uh, <laughs> let's see if we can top it well i'm just saying there's a state of the podcast we take this we take our job seriously here yeah and this is where um we talk about where we are what we've achieved Mm -hmm. um matt gorley i look to you because i'm just uh i'm just the chimp that they've put into the Soviet space capsule. Yeah. I don't know. I've just been... You got that right. Wait, why don't you look at me to give you the state of the podcast? Because I don't think you're really paying attention to that. This is true. Yeah. No, you're right. That's fair. I'm just being completely honest. No, you're right. But, you're right. But Matt Gorley, you are a professional. Um, you were you were brought in to... Pro- no, seriously. Yeah, you were brought in. No, no, it's not a dig against you. It's a dig against myself, too. Oh, you were okay. brought in as this professional podcast man this uh this magical man podcast. who could take this uh, these clownish fools and turn this into uh, a really good podcast and you did that and you're we owe you a, a debt of gratitude and also you have a perspective on how the podcast is going i would think how do you think it's going i think the state of the podcast is strong we've branched off by now into satellite radio there's mm-hmm. a solid and strong thriving youtube channel of of clips from this show mm. and i think i'm just working under the grand tutelage of adam Sachs, who we usually bring in on these segments because he's the the real poobah yeah uh, he is the man some say the the dark force behind the throne right the emperor um, the emperor uh, i'm who, just vader he's the emperor yeah yeah um what is his name palpatine yeah sheev palpatine what is that? Sheev Palpatine. Sheev? What do you mean? Sheev. That's his first name? That's his first name. He had a first name? Sure. Well, he's got to live, doesn't he? Uh, does he? I thought his first name was Emperor. No, that's his dark, like Darth Tyrannus persona. He was a senator on Naboo for years. It's terrible that we went down this uh, little cul-de-sac. <laughs> so this is a cul-de-sac of, of death. Let's get to the point. You asked. Yes, State true. of the podcast, strong. The, uh, the state of the podcast According to Matt Gorley, is strong, but we're bringing now uh, in uh, Adam Sachs, um, who's the man behind the man behind the man. Adam, tell us how you feel it's all going. It's going very well. Matt touched on a couple of the big things that are some of the important updates. You know, when COVID hit and we left our Warner Brothers studio and we went on to Zoom, it sort of forced us to start to incorporate video into 
our podcast because we were on video on Zoom. We were always before that, like, let's keep cameras out. You know, yes. we wanted it to be a very camera-free environment, people to sort of forget where they were um, and just have an intimate conversation. And sometimes cameras can impact that. Mm. But being on Zoom over COVID forced us to introduce cameras. And then we started to capture this YouTube video. And eventually we were like, well, we also happen to have a you know robust YouTube channel with a lot of followers. Let's try and put some of this video content out there and see what happens. And it did really well. And our existing YouTube fan base was excited to see what you all look like. What is the, we had we'd gotten requests forever. I have a lot of fans that uh, watch me on television for almost 30 years who were just excited to see what I look like. <laughs> wow, Which really? is unbelievable. Yeah. Huh. Mm. I just, like, they constantly were draping uh, blankets over the television. Really? I got <laughs> hundreds of, hundreds upon hundreds of comments about how old I look compared to what, how you made me seem. Uh, just brutal, like, that's him, you know? Did that hurt your feelings? Yeah. Uh, what did I do? I just, Ben made you, clearly made you seem youthful and vibrant. No, you made me seem like a carnival teen. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm on, I didn't come here to be accused of anything. So it sounds... So, so the Zoom video did well, <laughs> mm-hmm. but our fans were accustomed to high quality video and the Zoom video looked like crap for the most part. And right. now that we have this really, you know, state of the art, studio with high quality cameras that do sort of disappear into the background. We did, I I will say, uh, during the pandemic, um, when we were doing the podcasts on Zoom, for reasons I still don't understand, we used 7-Eleven security cameras. (laughs) That's right, yeah. And they they were set at the same angle. And we all had to go into separate 7-Elevens to record. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then we were all robbed while we were recording. (laughs) But we did uh, catch the uh, the villains. Yeah, so... This is interesting to me. I want to point out this thing that I noticed. So I'm in television, and then I decide, you know, I really, I want to strip it down. I want to do long-form interviews. I don't want there to be any video. I just want it to be audio, and I'll talk to people. After all these years of doing six- and seven-minute interviews, I'll really get to explore uh, all these areas that I never had a chance to explore before with these fascinating people. This is great. And so we do it for a little bit. And then inevitably people say, you know, it'd be really great if we had some cameras in there. I think, oh, okay, we'll put some cameras in there. And we do that. And that's fine. And then they say, uh, it'd be really great if um, uh, if we did some of these for a live audience, like at the Beacon Theater or uh, at the theater, downtown LA Theater. Uh, Let's do it. You know, what about that? And I think, oh, okay. Then they say, you know, if you're going to be in front of an audience, it'd be really fun if you came out first and sort of entertain the crowd a little bit. And I went, I'll do that. Might also be good if you had some music behind you. You want to get Jimmy Vino and some of the guys? Sure, I'll do that. <laughs> I realized they tricked me into doing a television show You're again. in a Twilight Zone It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple of times I've realized that <laughs> well, farewell late night show. That's the end of you and now something new. Me jumping around like an idiot in front of a live audience with music behind me. And then interviewing the people that I interviewed on television. Tell us the Greek tragedy about the man who couldn't not do a talk show. No, it's uh, it's all fun. 
So it's, Adam, it's so, strong, and we're 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 not gonna like. There's no end. There's no danger of this thing ending in the no, next. No, it's evolving. Weeks. I mean, the fan episodes is another thing that that has changed yeah. over the past. I mean, we maybe have done a state of the podcast since then, but I don't know. I mean, the fan episodes have been a new, another thing that we've sort of added to the show, another evolution of the show that I think is really great as another dimension. Fans. Well, I what I love about it is I'm talking to people all over the world. That just blows my mind if I'm talking to someone who's in Eastern Africa, you're talking to someone who's in Iran, you're talking to someone... I mean, the fact that... uh, (laughs) I I always go back to this, but I'm always amused that we're uh, infecting the brains (laughs) people in these far-off cultures. I know, exactly. This is a real pandemic. I know, but it is... uh, I do love talking to these uh, people and finding out what their lives are like and what they're doing. And that's a gift that keeps on giving. As much as I love talking to the celebrities who are, we talk to so many really funny people and fascinating people, but when we get a chance to talk to someone who lives up in Wales and they've got a really specific kind of life and we get to a peek into that world, that blows my mind. The diversity of those conversations is really, is a different layer that the a lot of the celebrity episodes don't necessarily have. Right, right. Well, because celebrities are all phonies. And then, like, the number side is, you know, I, we don't need to get into it, but it's very strong. It's, uh, well, I think, across... talking, like, in the teens? <laughs> across, the, across the board, podcast industry at the beginning of COVID, like, took a hit. The audience numbers took a hit. I think people stopped commuting. They stopped going out to the gym. A lot of routines changed. And so there was a, a period of time where there was a decrease uh, just in the industry uh, for listening. Oh. And um, I think over time, not only has have people figured out a way to work podcasts back into the routine, a lot of the routines have come back, but even if they haven't, podcasts have come back into their lives. And now we've exceeded pre-COVID numbers. What? Why? I think, I think it was my, uh, oh. it's the neediness that I keep putting out there. Yeah. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. That neediness, I think there's a sense that people felt um, yeah, my life changed during COVID, but man, I'm worried about Conan. Yeah. He's you so made people needy. feel better about how bad things were because they're like, at least I'm not Conan O'Brien. Right, there you <laughs> go. Oh, is that? I thought that's where you were going. I thought that's the path you were going down. No? <laughs> no. Oh. Um, See, he's now you're going to make fun of my hard G's and stuff. No. Okay. No. I thought that's where you were headed. Where were you headed? I don't know where I was headed. Oh, okay. I'm just a guy. A creator, I suppose, a force. Ugh, does a force. the sun know that it supplies light to the earth? No, the sun just does what it does. And then uh, all life stems from the sun. Oh. So I guess I'm like the sun, a big ball of gas. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> you got there. It's burning there. everything around me. Yeah. Uh, well, this is, no, this makes me happy. This makes me happy that the state of the podcast is strong. I'm indebted to you, Matt Gorley. And I you. We'll edit that out. Adam Sachs, I'm indebted to you. And I you. Uh, Eduardo, I mean, uh, indebted to you for the good work that you do, engineering this show, making it all happen. Thank you, sir. And uh, who else? I don't Me. see. How about, uh, my glasses one more on. person in the room? Maybe There's your one assistant more of 14 years. Right next to you. Ah, yes, yeah. yes. Of course, I do my part. So that's me thanking no, me. No, no. And Sona, you, of course, you're the best. Okay, you know. well, that's nice. All right, well, we're having fun. We hope you're having fun listening to this foolishness. <laughs> you said that didn't sound fun no. at all. <laughs> uh, we're really having fun. I hope you're but having this, fun, The way this too. needs to end is we go, yeah. love you guys. Love you guys, man. Love Group you. hug. Love you. Love you all. Love yeah. you. Oh, don't. Adam, when you said it, it chilled <laughs> me to the bone. Yeah.
That was you just bro side hugged me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't you even just see. Did you, you just Adam doesn't even see humans? You just see. You yeah. just see metrics and yeah. demos when you look at us. Did you, you just roofie us? Yeah. I love our metrics. You see. I would love to see what Adam sees, and it's just like a bunch of ones and zeros, sort of in the shape of humans. I'm a bar graph. You're a pie chart. And yeah. You're just a yeah. spreadsheet. <laughs> I love you, metrics. I mean humans. <laughs> Conan O'Brien needs.